All right, we are talking about Acts chapter 3 today, verses 11 through 16. There's a little bit of the reaction after, uh, after Peter and John healed a lame man. So it's, it's interesting to see Peter reveals a heart that makes his ministry effective, and I want to talk about that a bit. But we'll open in prayer and uh, see where the Lord takes us on this. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the joy we have in this world to walk with you, the opportunity to uh, be joined and empowered by you. Lord, I pray that you would help us keep our eyes and hearts on you rather than ourselves. Just uh, bless these men today. Uh, open our hearts and minds to your spirit and to your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 3, verse 11. We're talking about humility and, and effective ministry. Humility is the key to effective ministry. And we'll see Peter acting on that today. Remember, the man had uh, been being carried to the temple. So he was uh, on the way being carried, it says. They were carrying him to the temple, and he saw Peter and John. And he said, hey, can you give me something? Peter and John. Peter says, uh, I don't have any money, but I'll give you this. You can be healed. And the transition Eternal transition didn't happen because he got healed. Eternal transition happened because he focused on and he glorified God for the healing. And now we, he's excited and he's hanging out with Peter and John in, in the uh, temple. Acts 3, 11. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. So we see Peter getting their attention off of himself and on the author or the, the source of the transformation in this man. And that's, uh, that's in opposition to our human nature. One of the biggest battles we face as men, as mankind in general, is the battle with pride. It's the battle that, that started off at creation when we had to decide whether we were going to control things or we're going to let God control things and it continues on. It is ever present in our flesh. It comes out in every opportunity 
in failure and success, our pride drives our decision-making process. When you fail, you wanna hide it from people. When you do something wrong, you don't want people to know because you, you don't want to be ashamed. When you do something good, you want everybody to know it and you want to take more credit for it, right? So your pride drives that which will dishonor God. Who should get all honor and glory? God. God should get all honor and glory. Yet our pride wants us to take the honor and glory. Let's go back to this, this passage, Acts 3:11. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? See, Peter went direct to, or he, he came direct from the position that he needed to be in. It's not me, it's God. But you know what? How much of a battle do you think it would be if you came up to me and you were uh, lame and I said, be healed, and you were healed? How much of a battle do you think it would be with your pride to say, wow, I'm, I'm something because I healed you? But it wouldn't be me. But, but my pride would want to claim that. And so Peter outright states, it's not me. And guys, I find that this is a very effective way of dealing with your pride. Get it out in the open that you're an idiot, that you are not the source of all answers. Guys, I am not. I am not. I, I seek God's word every day because I don't know it. And I want to know it better. But I know that my answers are in his word. They're not in me. And so I pursue his word every day. We've got to understand and we've got to start off our conversation with the understanding that we are failed. And it's God in us, it's Christ in us that is our hope for glory. Peter addresses directly the key source of conflict in our spiritual life, pride. And he does it overtly and that's a good thing and it's a good practice to take. I want to continue through this and then we'll come back to that. Acts 13, Acts 3.13 rather. The God of Abraham, God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over. So Peter is bringing out this God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, because his audience are the Jews. And that's who they recognize as God. And so he's saying, this very God that you know from what we call the Old Testament, what they call the Torah or the Pentateuch, this God that you know of, has fulfilled what he has promised you in Christ. So he brings this out so that they would understand, in, in frame of reference that they would understand. When I speak to you guys, I don't really always have a very good frame of reference. So I've been trying to f figure out, you know, Banga and, uh, you know, the, the Garby, Barbie Road, we just call that, out here in front of us. And there's a village that way and Banga's that way. So I try to get something that's in reference so you guys understand someone's going that way away from Banga, and we need to turn them around. We have something that's now in reference that you guys know. When you're talking to people, you need to be respectful of them and then help them understand where they're at, how to get to God. And that's, that's, that's the objective. I want to be in God's word and find out what does his word mean to me where I'm at? And I want you guys to understand what does God's word mean to you where you're at? 
And so I have to get to know you and I have to spend time with you. And that's been fun. I get to know you guys and, and you get to harass me and see me do dumb things. And uh, we get to learn together. But that's part of relationship and we're developing a relationship and that's a good thing. All that to say, Peter is doing that. He's seeing that they perceive God from the Old Testament. And so he's saying, this is the God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of our fathers sent this Christ that he had promised and you killed him. Not a good thing, but you know what? Peter speaks the truth and guys, it is absolutely essential that we speak the truth. What, is, what does truth do when, remember we were talking, what does pride, pride want to do? It wants to hide our failings. Truth shines the light on our failings. And we have to speak the truth to people. We have to say, you know what? We are all fall short of being God. And if I don't, if I don't speak that truth to you, then you have no reason to be saved. If you are not failed, if you are not fallen, then there's no reason to be saved. So we have to speak the truth. We absolutely have to speak the truth. We have to acknowledge where we are. And so that's, that's the loving thing to do. I know uh, my dad had skin cancer. So he'd have sores that would show up on his skin and particularly on his face because he had a lot of sun. Uh, he worked outdoors all his life. And so he, had, he would get these sores and he goes to the doctor. Now, if the doctor had said to him, sigh, no biggie, just a little sore. Let me put a Band-Aid on it. We'll see you next week. Would that be a good thing for the doctor? Because he cared about my dad. He said, this is cancer. We need to deal with it. And he started dealing with it. And my dad has had cancer for over 30 years now. And he is still doing okay. Because... They spoke the truth about it. They didn't just put a Band-Aid on it and cover it up. We got to do that with sin, guys. We got to say, this is sin. And Peter, in, in a very direct way, is addressing the root of sin, which is pride. And he's, he's owning it. So, the, the last thing he does in verse 16, he says, And his name, Jesus, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. The faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. He speaks to the fact that it is faith and not works. It is faith and not the virtue of this man. This man isn't really good. It's not me that's really good that's bringing this power to you. It is God and your trust in God. Faith is believing that which we cannot see. And it's absolutely essential for our relationship with God. Let's go back and look at Peter's statement, denying that his piety and virtue was a source of this miracle because it hits on that hinge point of the human condition, the key that impacts our eternal destiny, pride. Pride is what God is addressing even in the garden. By our own power and piety, we have made him walk. No, no. Paul or Peter denies that. The, the crucial human battle. Whenever we are interacting with others, our pride creeps in and tends to want to lift us up, elevate us up, and lower others around us. So we have to keep an eye on that at all times. Adam and Eve, at the very outset, were 
impacted by pride. Pride is what drove them to want to be in control of what is right and wrong. Remember, Eve, looking at the fruit, said, hey, it's good for discerning right and wrong, and I won't need God now. If I eat of that fruit, I will be the one that determines right and wrong. I will be in control. This is the pride, guys. This is pride. Guess who else has pride? The, the serpent that was manipulating her, was lying to her. What was he trying to do? He was trying to have control over her. So Satan wanted to have control. And so he's lying and using that to get control because he wants her to obey him. Even in, in, uh, throughout, the, throughout the Bible, we know Satan is not a good guy, but he's condemned for this very thing of trying to be in control. He wants to be in the position of God. In Isaiah, Isaiah 14, 13 through 14, it's a prophetic statement by Isaiah, but it speaks to and, and is uh, broadly pointed at describing Satan. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will make myself like the most high. This is Satan. He wanted to be God. Now, you start looking at that from a, a logical standpoint. It's insane. Uh, you know, he knows God. He goes to the throne room of God. God created him. God created all things. God controls all things. When he's interacting with God about Job, he has to ask permission. Yet he wants to put himself in that position. This is the foundational issue with pride is it, 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 it lies to you. Don't allow pride to lie to you. Reality is there is only one God and we are not him. That's a pretty simple statement, huh? There is only one God, and I am not him. There is only one God, and you are not him. <coughs> and so from that, that point, we can now start realizing, acknowledging our need for him. James talks about why or the result of that, how God responds to pride. Because God knows, just like that doctor knew that that cancer was bad, God knows that pride is destructive to you because it will take you in, in a direction that will take you to doing what you want to do rather than what he knows is best for you. And so he hates pride because he knows it destroys those he loves and those he created. So James chapter four, verse six says, but he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I would far rather have God's grace than God's opposition, right? Paul highlights, however, our perfect example in Philippians. Who's our perfect example? Who came to earth and lived as a man perfectly? Christ. Paul holds him out and he says, have this mind, this is in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. What did Satan say? I want to take over the throne of God. I want to sit in the place of the most high. Jesus, who was the most high, said, that's not my objective. 
my objective is to submit wholly to whatever it is that God calls me to do here on earth. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He became human, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. See, this is what God is promising. If you humble yourself, he will lift you up. That's what James says. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. What does our pride say? Our pride says, I must lift me up. And I look at you and I say, well, yeah, but I'm better than him. You know, we look around and we point at other people and say, I'm better than him. We're lifting ourselves up. Proverbs even tells us, let another, another's mouth praise you and not your own. If you're praising yourself, guys, my arm can't go back very well to pat myself on my back. That's, that's because we shouldn't be doing that. We shouldn't be patting ourselves on the back. We should let others do that. And then we should be patting them on the back. We're called to encourage one another, not lift ourselves up. We're, we're called to lift others up. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the culmination of the purpose of this world and this creation, that Christ would be honored and we would be drawn into his family as adopted brothers of Christ. This is our call to humbly admit who and what we are before God, then go to God, and he will graciously lift us up, not us. And he will lift us up far beyond anything we can imagine, anything we can accomplish on our own. This is the promise. This is the salvation he promises. It's beyond comprehension. In this world, we'll have trouble, we'll have trials, we'll have ch challenges. Take each one of those challenges as an opportunity to lean more on God, to go to God, and to, to look forward to what he has promised us in heaven. He will use us to impact eternity, both in ourselves and in others, as we humbly <coughs> submit to him. This is the life worth living for. I encourage you guys, I challenge you guys. Let's do it. And close in prayer. Father God, be with us today. Convict our hearts, Lord. Convict our hearts to humbly come before you. Not stand in pride saying we have arrived, but humbly come to you, knowing that we are in desperate need of your grace. Pray that you would bless these men with that humility and bless them with a safe day and a productive work day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you.